This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website, www.anchorchurch.com.au. Well, good morning, Anchor Church. Good to see you here this morning. My name is Matt, lead pastor here, and I am excited for Vision Sunday. I hope you guys are. One quick thing before we start is I just wanted to give a second plug to those Romans journals. Next week we kick off uh, our series in Romans and it's going to be epic. Um, But I I would love this church to um, bring to life the old habit of note-taking. I don't know what happened. I think the phone killed note-taking. And so one of the ways we want to encourage you to do that is to purchase these ESV journaling Bibles, and it's got the scripture text on one page and then a blank page on the other, so you can actually write in there some notes from the sermon. Take that to GC and share the things that God's been pressing on your heart. Uh, And and we believe that that process is going to help us be more expectant, come ready to hear God speak, and then help us live those truths out in the week, because we're not just about hearing the Word, we're about doing it. And we believe that resource is going to be really helpful for that. And it looks amazing at the same time. So please don't, um, don't forget to get that today because you want to come ready next Sunday to journal and hear God speak to you. So hit, hit the Connect desk this morning. Let's sell out of those Romans journals. We would love to see that happen. This morning uh, is Vision Sunday. And today's going to be a little different from previous Vision Sundays. Normally we hit you with like seven strategic steps and five values and four things and three this and you know 12 that because you've got to have seven, three and 12 in there somehow to make it all Christian. But um, <clears throat> I'm not going to do that this morning. In, instead of paving out for you all of the strategy behind what we're doing, which is really more helpful for our staff sometimes than it is for you, what I want to do is inspire you to live Uh, in a certain way in 2019. What I'm hoping to do this morning is help you set a tone for this year to to put a banner up over 2019 to live a certain way, that it would reflect your decisions and your direction, your focus, your spending, your time, your effort, your energy, your goals, your dreams, all of that, that God would colour everything, that He would tone and shape everything that you do this year. That's my hope, that's my prayer, that's what I've been praying for you this week. Interestingly, last week I was talking to Sam and Crystal Buckingham-Jones, who I think right now are on an aeroplane to London, sad face, but um, we, we were chatting as they were leaving Anchor and they said to me, you know, one of the things that we're going to miss the most is Vision Sunday. And I was, I was like, that's a bit weird. Why would you miss Vision Sunday? And they said that for them at least, Vision Sunday was really helpful in helping them shape their year ahead. It really set the direction for their year, the direction and, and shaped the decisions that they were making and the efforts and energies that they channeled their things towards. And so my hope and prayer this morning for you is that God would do that today. God would do that this morning, that He'll meet you in His Word this morning and give you a fresh vision for what 2019 could look like, a year that will be focused on Jesus, that would seek first things first. And so I'm expectant this morning. I believe that as we put first things first, as we seek first God's kingdom, we will experience the joy of being at the centre of God's purposes and plans for our life. And so as we begin to walk in obedience to the promise and commands of God, we will begin to enjoy what it looks like 
to be walking in line with God's will for our lives. And so my hope this morning is that God would do that in us and through us and uh, that Jesus would be at the centre of everything this year for you. So I'm going to pray that God would do just that. Why don't you join me as we pray together? God, we want to come this morning before you and say that you are present. We know that you're here. We thank you you promise to be with us. We thank you that you love the gathering of your people. And God, we pray this morning that you would help us to hit pause on the busyness of a new year as everything begins to roll into gear. Help us to reflect on the type of year that we want to live, the type of year that we want to have. God, I pray that you would begin to align our dreams and affections and decisions and direction with yours. Help us to love the things that you love, to hate the things that you hate. Most of all, God, we pray that you would help us to put first things first in our lives. We come expectant now, knowing that you speak through your word, that your word is living and active. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. We pray, speak now, Father. Transform us. Fill us with your spirit. We're listening. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. It's interesting, isn't it, how quickly your priorities change. Yesterday, I had a number of priorities in my head, and number one priority for me was finish my sermon. It's been a bit of the time yesterday morning working on it, went home for lunch, and then my brother and his wife and the kids came over, and we spent yesterday afternoon playing and hanging out as a family, and my priority was cook pizza for dinner, get the kids in the bath, get my brother and his sister out of the house, put the kids to bed, let Tash go out with her friends for a few drinks, and then I'm going to work on my sermon. I'm going to finish my sermon. That was my number one priority. All afternoon, I'd kind of been planning out the moments in my head. We're at the park, and I'm at the park, and I said to my brother, what's the time? I need to make sure I'm home on time so I get dinner on time, so I get the kids in the bath on time, so I get to bed on time, so I can start my sermon and finish my sermon for tomorrow. And at about 13 minutes past seven, just as my brother and his wife were about to leave, Judah is running through the living room, trips on the couch and hits the corner of hits his head on the corner of the coffee table and splits it open. And at that moment, my priorities significantly changed. My priorities of trying to finish my sermon for today were completely out the window as my brother and I quickly wrapped a a tea towel and ice on his head and then bandaged it up and I rushed off to RPA emergency where the doctors glued his head back together. But in that moment, all of a sudden, the things that I thought were important and urgent and necessary and the things that I'd been planning to do all day instantly disappeared because of an immediate priority that I had in front of me. My children are a priority. Family is a priority. Particularly injured children that need to go to hospital are an urgent priority. It wouldn't have been fair for me to say to Tash, oh, you know what, actually, I haven't finished my sermon tomorrow. And I know you've got a newborn that you need to breastfeed and put to sleep, but if you could take both of them to the hospital and sit in the emergency waiting room for five hours while I finish my sermon, that'd be... I couldn't do that, right? My priorities dramatically shifted in that moment. And what I did was put the first things first, the most important thing first. Jesus, in fact, calls his people, his followers, his apprentices to put first things first, to have kingdom priorities. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 
6, verse 33. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's a rite of passage for every father, I think, and it's a very important one that I take very seriously, and that is packing the boot for holidays, for summer holidays. It's a very important task, and I would like to say I feel like I'm a bit of a professional at it, and if there were a medal system, I feel like I deserve a gold medal for packing a whole family's worth of stuff for 10 days away into the small boot of a Mazda CX-5. It is a miracle to say the least, and I have a strategy for it. It's very important. I prepare myself for it the next day, not only getting ready for the long drive, but getting ready for that moment before the long drive starts to get a good night's sleep. I wake up, I sufficiently carb load that morning with some wheat bix and perhaps some oats covered with, with honey, and then I make a coffee and have a large drink of water, and then I don't have my morning shower because I know I get really sweaty performing this very important task. And I do potentially 14 trips up and down our lift, six stories up and down, taking it all to the basement, putting it in the boot of the car. And I've got a strategy for that process. And my strategy is you always start with the biggest items first. Well, in fact, before that, you actually start with all the flat items, the boogie boards, the kids' scooters that unfold and lie flat all of the picnic rugs, the things that can lie flat, go in on the bottom of the boot, and then the big, bulky, large items. So the porticot, the pram, Tasha's bag, the, the biggest thing that goes in the boot has to, I'm sorry, that, that has to go in, all right? And then, and then the, the smaller bags, the kids' bags, the, the, the little box with the toys in it, that goes in. And then finally, you start to put in the pillows and the blankets and the sleeping bags and the cushions and the kids' soft teddies. They all squish into all the empty gaps and it fills the boot up. And then you close the boot and give it a nudge and click it closed and hope that it's safe you don't crash and it all spills into the front of the car on the Pacific Highway, which would be a disaster. But... It seems to me that so often that is the way we operate with our faith. That's the way we live our lives. We put in all of the big priorities, our job, our family, the kids, uni, career, and we pack in some social life around that and possibly GC. And then, and then we fit all of our, the God stuff in our life into the small gaps that exist that's left over from the time that we have. And I want to suggest to you that that type of strategy, that type of living, those types of priorities are a far cry from what Jesus calls us to in Matthew 6.33, to put first things first, to seek first the kingdom. You see, our priorities are the things that we value most, the things that are most important to us, and then they therefore naturally take up most of our time, most of our effort, most of our energy. And so it's important for us to get our priorities right, is it not? In order to have good priorities, you need to be able to discern between a priority that is important and perhaps a priority that's maybe urgent and unimportant or a priority that's not important at all. We have so many priorities in our lives and the reality is we live in a world that is obsessed with the instant and the fleeting and the unimportant. And Jesus calls us to more than that. He calls us to seek first his kingdom. 
God calls us to live for something bigger than ourselves, bigger than our dreams and our careers and our priorities and ambitions. He calls us into kingdom participation. He calls us, he invites us into enjoying his saving presence in the person of the Spirit. He calls us to surrender and relax in the sweet sovereign rule and reign of King Jesus who exercises his leadership and authority by his word. We get to participate in the kingdom. This is an invitation to be free from the constant driving, draining, consumed attention at daily necessities and daily needs. See what Jesus says? He says, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. The world obsesses about those things. I know what you need. I promise I will provide. And instead of obsessing over these things, I want you to obsess over here on what matters most, the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Put first things first. It's an invitation to turn our gaze away from the material things of this world onto his kingdom. But, you know, seeking first here is not just a matter of a chronological order. That is, um, you do your God stuff, and then once you've done your God stuff, then you can get on with all the normal stuff in your life. You know, you do your church things, and then you can get on with all the worldly things that you need to do. That's not what Jesus means when he says, seek first the kingdom. You see, the kingdom of God is not just one of the many competing priorities in your life. Jesus wants it to be the all-consuming priority that shapes and flavours and colours and directs every other priority decision that you have to make in your everyday This is an all-consuming passion for the glory of God manifest in our lives. You see, seeking first is not just, all right, I need to put God at number one and then work at family at number two and then work at number three and then, you know, my health at number four. And that's not what this means. Interestingly, I was um, reading in a book called Essentialism. I don't know if anyone's read it by a guy called Greg McEwen. And he makes this fascinating observation that it's not until quite recently, just over the last hundred years, that the word priority has gone from being a singular to a plural. For the, the 500 years before that, in its, usage, in its usage, it was a singular word, priority. I have one priority. But today... We have priorities and we have multiple competing, compelling, urgent priorities. And so we're faced with these decisions that we need to make. And in Sydney, in the busyness and chaos and demands of Sydney, it's easy for us to think, is it not, that God is just one more thing on that list of important things that we need to get through in our day, in our week, in our year. When the reality is there is but one thing. One thing, and it's seeking first the kingdom of God. It's putting first things first. As a people, as God's people, we are not simply twiddling our thumbs waiting for heaven. As if Jesus has saved you and he does not care how you live your time now, all that matters is that you get to heaven. So saved heaven, everything else in between is irrelevant. No, 
He's saying this is an active participation in the kingdom. You are seeking first now kingdom realities, kingdom patterns, kingdom living, kingdom decisions, Jesus-oriented living. And all of this matters. Seek first things first. We're actively seeking the kingdom of God. As God's people, we're actually living the Lord's prayer. Remember what the Lord's Prayer says at the start? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our, if that's our prayer, we need to live that. If that's our desire, that God's kingdom would come, that His will would be done right here in 2019 in Sydney, and it reflects what heaven is, we need to live that reality out. This is kingdom participation. So how do we do that? Amidst the busyness and the demands of our lives, what does it look like to seek first the kingdom? Hi, buddy. <laughs> I've got my son back there yelling at me from behind the stage. What does it look like to seek first the kingdom? That's why that curtain should be closed, come to think of it. What does it look like for us to be practical as we do that? Well, I think at the very least, it means we need to learn to live in God's story. It means we need to learn to shape our lives by the narrative of the good news of the gospel and not just swallow and drink and gulp the narrative of secular culture. It means we need to learn to live, what, learn to live in the way that says Jesus is going to come back one day. He's going to make all things new. He's coming back as judge and that means my present counts and it means that I join Jesus and I participate with him in the renewal of all things, in restoring all things, in helping point all things to his glory. We participate in the kingdom. We live inside God's story and not the story that this world has to offer us. It means all of the things that we talk about all the time here at Anchor. Simple things, ordinary things, things that might seem not profound enough for us to shape our 2019 around, things like community. Seeking first the kingdom of God means participating in God's kingdom community, His people. It means not sitting loose with church attendance. It means not just turning up and being flaky with your gospel community. It means living the reality of who we are as God's people, a family Jesus hasn't called you to a social club. I think for many people, church commitment looks like being a part of the RSL club. You know the local RSL club? You've got to be a member to go to the RSL club, right? So when you go, if you live in the area, you're not a member, you have to sign up as a member, right? Maybe pay a $5 annual fee. And, and when do you go back? Never, but you're a member of the RSL club and you maybe turn up twice a year. That's not the type of commitment to community that Jesus calls us to. Seeking first his kingdom means living our gospel identity as a family of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, gathering together in community, gathering on Sundays for worship, gathering together in gospel communities, gathering in triplets, speaking the truth of the gospel over each other's lives, helping us navigate the secular culture that we live in and put Jesus first. We're not going to make it if we disconnect ourselves from the lifeblood of God's people. So at the very least, it looks like being in community. It looks like word and prayer. It looks like us surrendering our lives to the authority and lordship of Jesus as we read his word and he says, do this. And we say, yes, 
I choose to put the authority of your word over my choices and I'm going to walk in obedience. It looks like prayerful dependence, not living out of our own self-sufficiency and our own strength and our own gifts, but learning dependence on the power of the Spirit, learning to cry out to God for what we need because in the end, it's all Him. We can't do it. It looks like representing our King well. It looks like heralding the good news of the kingdom. That's often what happened when heralds were given a task. They were to go and declare to this colony that Rome was taking over, here are the terms of peace. This is what it looks like to live at peace with the Roman Empire as heralds. And Jesus sends his people out to rep the king and to declare to the world the terms of peace, the reconciliation that Jesus offers us. It looks like serving our city. Jesus has made us servants. He says, if you want to be first, you better be last. You better live the type of life that Jesus lived, which was the incarnational life, which lowered himself, becoming like a servant, dying on the cross. It's the type of life that takes off the outer garment and bends down and washes the disciples' feet. We are servants. Jesus calls us to serve this city, to bless this city, to serve this church, to use our gifts for building up the kingdom. It looks like being generous with our time, our treasure, our talents. It looks like the costly sacrifice of financial generosity as we invest with our wallets. You know, people often say that the last thing to get converted in a Christian's life is their wallet. Jesus calls us to give back to him maybe 10% of what he has given us. We're stewards of our generosity. We invest with our time. We invest in community. We invest in serving. We invest with the gifts that God has given us because after all, they're his gifts. Even your natural abilities are the gifts that God has given you. We seek first the kingdom of God. Now that's going to look different for all of us. For some of you, 2019 as a year that's lived by kingdom patterns and kingdom realities and kingdom priorities is going to mean a shift in career focus. It's going to mean a shift in family focus. Perhaps it's going to mean it changes some of the decisions that you make. Perhaps it's going to mean it changes some of the time that you spend. It's going to look different for all of us. But what I want to promise you this morning is that if you are willing to allow the Spirit of God to press on certain things in your life, you will walk out of these doors with a fresh focus and vision for what it looks like to live and seek first the kingdom in 2019. But the question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth the sacrifices? Because this takes a long time to get to this. Is it worth giving up these things to seek first the kingdom when so much of what we see with our eyes is tangible and real and so much of the kingdom feels intangible and future? Is it worth those sacrifices? And I want to answer categorically, yes, it is. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. In his joy, he sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, I don't know about you, as I was reading that, I was thinking to myself, Is the field the safest place to hide all of your valuables and treasures? 
seems I would, if it were me, I'd put it in the sock drawer or perhaps in a safe, safe box under the bed or in a safe in the closet. Like I wouldn't go and bury things in the backyard or down at the local park. It just doesn't seem to me that that's a necessarily safe place. But in a culture that had no banks, no safety deposits, no safes, and in a culture where people were very easily robbed, sometimes people took to burying their treasure in the least likely place you would think to bury it, in a field, in a public, public place, or in the field, in the backyard of their property. And this guy just so happens to stumble across an absolute treasure trove. We don't know what's in there, whether it's gold, coins, precious jewels, money, whatever it is, but we know it is of significant value and worth because he sells everything that he has in order to obtain this treasure. In uh, 2014, there was a couple in the north of California who owned a, a large property, a ranch, and they'd owned this property for 25, 30 years, and they'd walked this one path every day. Walked, it was a well-worn path. And one day, the gentleman who owned this property was walking down the path that he'd walked down many days before and a glimmer in the scrub caught his eye and he bent down to look at what it was, pushing the scrub and some dirt away and he found a coin. And as he pushed more dirt away, he found not just one coin, but a whole barrel of coins, a small little barrel of coins. And as he kept digging, he ended up finding five barrels of coins covered in dirt and mud. He took them home, cleaned them up, and then took them to a valuer to figure out what he'd found, this treasure that he'd found in his backyard. And it turns out that some of these coins were so old and so rare that an individual coin was worth a million dollars. The sum total of these five barrels of coins was $10 million. Imagine that, $10 million. Imagine finding $10 million in your backyard. That would be difficult for most of you because you all live in apartments and don't have backyards. And if you had $10 million, you'd just be able to afford a house in Sydney with that anyway. So this man stumbles across this amazing bounty, this amazing treasure. And there's something about us that just wishes that would be true. It's what makes people go buy metal detectors and awkwardly walk up the beach and scan for treasure. It's the closest thing you can get to being a pirate without doing something illegal. Do you know in Sydney that if you find treasure in your backyard or Australia, apparently, this is what I, I think this is the law, that if you find buried treasure such as gold or coins, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the crown. It belongs to the government. Isn't that, that's unfair. It's a ripoff. I want to be American at that point, take my treasure and go cash it in, take my $10 million. But this guy finds a valuable treasure and you notice he doesn't drag his heels in selling everything he has. It says, with joy, he sells everything he has. Some translations say, with excitement. Now, why is he excited? Why is he joyful? How can someone get rid of everything that they own and be joyful? Well, it's only the truth that he knows that on the other side of that sale and deed that's signed, he gets a property and something that is far more valuable than everything that he gave up. Is it worth it? You bet it's worth it. It's worth it because the value far outweighs anything that you've given up, far outweighs any sacrifice that has been made. And in this parable here, the kingdom of God is the treasure. 
and it is of such infinite value and worth that it is worth giving everything you have to obtain. It is worth giving everything you have to be able to participate in. It is worth giving everything that you own. The Kingdom of God is a treasure. Peter, Paul, sorry, in effect says the same thing in Philippians where he says that I have given everything, I, I count everything as nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, my Lord. That I have credited all as loss compared to the gain of being found in Christ. That's Paul's way of saying the same thing. It's worth it. It's worth it because the kingdom is valuable. It is infinitely more valuable than every material possession you own. It is infinitely more valuable than any potential mass that you could hope to assume. It's more valuable than the $107 million that that single mum won in Lotto the other week in the inner west. The Kingdom of God is valuable. It's more valuable than a spacious house. It's more valuable than a healthy family. It's more valuable than a fulfilling career. It's more valuable than an amazing sex life. And it's more valuable than a razor sharp intellect. It's the most precious thing you could possibly hope to obtain. So is it worth it? Is it worth seeking first the kingdom? Is it worth making the sacrifices? Is it worth giving everything to follow Jesus? You bet. You bet it is. The kingdom of God is so valuable that even if you owned the whole world and didn't have the kingdom, you would be poor. The kingdom is countless in its worth. It's eternal compared to everything that you have here that is temporary. It's forever. This is fleeting. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that does not rust away. Salt and oxygen and air do not deteriorate this. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that a moth cannot come and gnaw at and nibble at and erode. It's secure, it lasts. The kingdom of heaven cannot be stolen from you. No one can break in, no thief can rob you of this treasure. It's valuable, it's precious and it's yours and it cannot be taken away. But the best thing is that in this kingdom, we're adopted into the king's family. We're made brothers and sisters of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and we stand as His co-heir to inherit everything. The Kingdom of God is valuable. What other priority in your life is worth this much? What other priority in your life could you find more important than this one? Everything that we invest in is prone to decay and rust and wearing out and it gets boring the kingdom of God is forever and it's perfect and it's good. It's the most precious thing you could possibly hope to attain. I don't know about you, but I want my 2019 to reflect those values. I want my priorities in 2019 to be kingdom-shaped priorities, that it would be God's agenda for my life, God's agenda for my decisions, God's agenda, God's pattern, God's way. Our desire as a church is to be a place where we would help you live a life that 
when you get to the end of your life, you don't look back and have a string of regrets over the decisions that you made. We wanna help you make kingdom-centered, Jesus-honoring decisions. And one of the ways that we've tried to do that is what we call our partnership commitments. And perhaps you've gone through the Connect course recently, you've received an email from James that says, do you wanna partner with us at Anchor? Yes, then tick these four boxes. There are four things that we wanna ask you to do as a tangible, practical way of saying, I'm gonna seek first things first. We're gonna ask you to do that this week in your gospel communities. Your GC leaders have had a pack that's mailed to them. It's our launch kit. And every single person who attends GC this week, or if you miss it online, will be given an opportunity to say, yes, I want my life to reflect kingdom principles this year, kingdom priorities in four areas. The first is to gather, to commit, to gathering together as God's people, not like a member of a club, but a family to belong to. The second is a commitment to grow, to grow in your faith, to not just think that somehow automatically without any effort, without any reading, without any prayer, that I'm gonna be a more mature Christian this year than I was last year, but to dig in, to lean into what God wants to do in your life this year and allow the Spirit to shape you and form you. So gather and grow and then give to give of your time in investing in people, to give of your treasure in investing in the kingdom, to give of your talents in serving this city and our church. And fourthly, to go, to represent Jesus, to take the good news to a city that so desperately needs us, to do that together as a family of missionaries and to do that as an individual, as you are sent as an everyday missionary into the ordinary things of your life, your nine to five. So gather, grow, give, go. And under the foundation of all of those four things is a commitment to prayer because it rests on that. We want to ask you this week to make a commitment. And I realise that's a difficult thing to do for millennials and Gen Y. We don't like signing contracts. We don't like signing pieces of paper. We don't like ticking boxes. We're free. But I just want to encourage you this week as a, as a way of saying, God, I want to put first things first this year. This is a very simple way of saying, yes, I'm, I'm committing to these four things. Tick, 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 tick. I'm in. We want to encourage you to do that this coming week as we focus on launching our new GCs. We want to encourage you guys to take your next step in the journey here, be that stepping up into leadership be that stepping up into a team if you're currently not serving. Be that stepping up into your commitment to your gospel community. Be that stepping up in your financial generosity. Whatever it looks like for you, whatever decisions you need to make to prioritise the kingdom, to put Jesus first, we want to encourage you to do that. We want your 2019 to be your best year yet. And we truly mean that, not in some superficial way. And we don't mean that that doesn't... Uh, Recognize that there could be suffering and pain and brokenness in your 2019. But we want it to be the best year yet, even if those things are there and they probably will be. Because when we put first things first, we get to live at the centre of God's plans and purpose for our lives. I don't know about you, but this is the type of year I wanna have. That this year, the 2019, that I give my best for what matters most. In 2019, I live for something that is bigger than myself, my dreams, my hopes, my plans, my career, my ambitions. That this year, 
I wanna let go of my small ambitions and give with every fibre of my being to be ambitious for the things of God, to be ambitious for the Kingdom. I'm not gonna be preoccupied by the tangible material worries, the, the demands that come at me every day. What I wanna obsess over and be preoccupied about is the things of God. I wanna be consumed with an increasing and ever increasing passion for God's glory. I wanna reorient my time and my values and my priorities around the expansion of the kingdom. I wanna put first things first. I don't know if that's the type of year you wanna live. That's our hope for you that today on Vision Sunday, you would take a step of faith and say, yes, God, I don't know what this looks like today, but I'm in. I wanna, I wanna go all in, I wanna do whatever it takes to see your name lifted up, to see your kingdom established, to see the patterns of the kingdom lived out in my life. And what I wanna do now is take a moment to pause and allow the Spirit to work in our hearts and help us think through some of those processes. So I'm gonna invite everyone to just take a moment now in silence, close your eyes. Ask the Spirit to begin to stir in your heart and bring things to mind that He would convict you over. I don't know what it looks like for you this year to have kingdom priorities. Perhaps it's a priority to put God first in your business this year. Maybe it's a shifting priority of your focus on parenting this year. Perhaps for you, it's about uni and your study. And instead of pursuing acceptance in a peer group or great grades, not at the neglect of those things, but to put God first above and have Him colour and flavour all of that. Perhaps seeking first the kingdom shapes your career decisions this year. Perhaps seeking first the kingdom means making decisions about your time, the people that you will invest in, the time that you will give, Perhaps seeking first the kingdom this year looks like for you being a servant of Jesus who trusts God with financial provision. This year you're going to be more generous than you've ever been before. Looking for ways that you can alleviate suffering and brokenness and justice in this world. Whatever it is, whatever God is pressing on you this morning, if you would like to commit that to God and say, yes, today, whatever it looks like, I wanna put first things first. I wanna give my best for what matters most. I'm gonna invite you in a moment to put your hand up as a way of responding to what God is doing this morning. And I'm gonna pray a prayer. And maybe you're here this morning and this isn't your church, you're just visiting and I'm not asking you this morning to put your hand up and say, yes, I'm here to, I'm here about Anchor. This is not about Anchor Church. This is about the Kingdom of God. And so you can participate this and fill in the blank of whatever church name you have. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian. You're exploring maybe. And please don't feel you need to participate in that. But I want you to watch this because this is what it looks like for people who understand who Jesus is and reorient their lives around His kingly rule. This is what it looks like to be a, an apprentice, a disciple, a follower of Jesus. So you don't need to put your hand up at this moment, but I want you to watch around this room as people begin to say, yes, I'm in. Because that for me is a very good evidence of the presence of God in this room this morning. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, I want to invite those of you now who would like to take a step of faith and reorient your priorities around the kingdom this morning to just put your hand up. Put your hand up now as a way of responding to this, as a way of saying, yes, Jesus, I want to put first things first. Let me pray for every person who's put their hand up. Father God, I thank You. I thank You for every hand raised here this morning. I thank You for the collective desires of this room to put You first in our lives in 2019. And God, whatever that looks like, whatever changes we need to make, God, I pray that You'd help us have the faith to do that. Give us the faith to see the reality of Your Kingdom at work in our lives amidst the busyness and demands that Sydney rushes at us every day. God, we wanna say we surrender our lives to You. We wanna let go of our dreams and our ambitions Will you help us? We know that we need your spirit for this. We're weak. We often have desires that we just cannot seem to work out into action. Father God, would this year be different for us? Fill us with your spirit, Lord. We need your help. We thank you for your grace that doesn't make this another duty that we have to walk into but that You invite us into this by Your grace. We have nothing to prove. We have everything to gain by putting Jesus first. God, this morning I pray for every hand that's raised, that You would bless the desires of the hearts of Your people. Can we surrender our lives to You now? We pray they're Yours. Do with us as You see fit this year. Help us seek first Your kingdom with everything that we've got. We pray it all in the powerful name of Jesus and God's church said, Amen, Amen.